Hey, welcome to Conversations on the Co-Mission, a podcast where we're talking about the topics, the trends, and the issues and missions that impact both the missionary and the churches that partner with them. My name is Tony Balava. With me today is Stephen Madoff. Well, hello again, Tony. This is one of those podcast episodes that we have spent a lot of time Mm -hmm. in prep work of it, in what we're going to talk about. You know, we have at times covered different things regarding life on the field, Mm. regarding Mm. even how to hold a good missions conference. Well, like you just said, kind of in our tagline, we we often talk also about the trends. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're going to talk about today is one of the trends that is happening across missions as it relates to missionaries and churches. And that is the idea of raising support as as missionaries wanting Mm -hmm. to go to the field from individuals rather than or in addition to raising it from churches. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a, a hot-button topic here, and we've <laughs> actually done some research and looked into a lot of things in the lead-up mm. to this because it is something, I think, that is going to affect churches, even churches and pastors that may be listening to our podcast here, that they're going right. to kind of be confronted with this mm-hmm. when a missionary wants to just meet with individuals of their church or so, to raise support rather than going kind of through the front door of the church itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Buckle up. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, as we as we just get started on this particular topic, yeah, we did do a lot of prep work on this. And we knew when we started the podcast way back, whenever that was, however many episodes ago now, one of the things we, we said, we were going to cover these trends, and we wouldn't always agree with the trends, but we were going to try to understand maybe the trend and where it came from and try to present at least a to steal the tagline of a of a news association, a fair and balanced view of that, and uh, we're going to try our very best. But I think from the onset, I'm going to be clear and say that I have a very difficult time understanding uh, from a biblical aspect how it is appropriate for missionaries to actively solicit funds to go to the field from individuals. And that's what we're talking about. Not just, hey, an, an individual decides to support me, but actively soliciting. And uh, I'm going to use the word, and I don't want to be harsh when I use it, but circumventing the local church and going directly to individuals. And so it is definitely a trend. It's definitely happening. There's many people who are talking about it. And we've looked at some stats that from a human standpoint, say, wow, that's pretty impressive. Mm -hmm. Um, And you could understand why I think maybe some people would pursue this, but we want to bring it back to, is there a biblical principle? Is there a biblical precedent? And I think in the end, we're going to come to the point that ultimately this is going to boil down to your biblical understanding of the importance of the local church and and what God has decided to use the local church for in, in, in the realm of missions. And I would say that God has decided to use the local church as the spearhead for getting the gospel to the world. You're one of those guys who tell somebody what they're getting for a birthday present before they have <laughs> way to give it all away. <laughs> well, I, I just want to be clear up front because I don't want somebody to hear part of this and then come back and go, those guys were talking about soliciting funds from individuals. Tell me what I'm getting for Christmas too, please. <laughs> all right. Well, let's look at it first. I, I agree. We want to be fair and balanced and about this and just kind of, it is something that a lot of missionaries, now 
I can definitely say not be I am I missionaries because mm-hmm. that we very much strongly would not adhere to this soliciting of of support from individuals. Right. But we're not the only mission board. We're mm-hmm. not the only mission agency. There's a lot of other mission agencies out there, and this is something that is commonly done. Mm-hmm. So we've tried to do our best research and look up what are the rationales and what are the arguments mm-hmm. for it, because they would equally say they want to be biblical too. And also, I think just what makes sense when you look out on paper, plus and minus of things. And these are some of the things that we came across in, in looking up. One is the idea that you can get more people to partner with you in missions. That if I go mm-hmm. to a church and I'm going to get a church to partner with me, let's mm-hmm. let's hope. But then if I can talk to lots of different families on a in, my, in a living room at someone's house and and mm-hmm. my friend gathers six other friends and they all support me, well I may in a sense get more people helping me than what I would from that one church. And so kind of multiplication factor, you know, I got more helping me from this this area than compared to just that church. And so that's something they use the term partner, and that's a term we, we value. I mean, it, we talk right, about partnering. Right. If anyone's mm-hmm. listened to any episodes, we, we talk Every about partnering <laughs> between <with> the <laughs> church and missionary. So that's, that's a word mm-hmm. that obviously stands out. One of the other things that they use as kind of a rationale and logic for this is that it, sh- it definitely would require less travel mm. and and less strain on the missionary because, yeah, if I can uh, raise money in a clump of people, again, talking to six or seven people, different families Mm -hmm. in a home somewhere, and I get those six or seven families to support $50 a month or whatever, well, that's, of course, saving me from having to hit the road to visit six or seven churches to get that equal Mm -hmm. uh, amount of $50 a month support or so. Mm And so, again, does that make sense on a logical aspect? Absolutely. I mean, mm-hmm. one of the complaints people have about deputation is it takes too long, it's too expensive, because it costs money all the, to— All the travel. All the travel, all the hotels, all mm-hmm. the food, mm-hmm. and then even just the idea of the more miles you put on the on a car on the road, the more at risk you are for accidents. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and we looked up and saw statistics that say— may take someone two years to get their support where it may take, if, if soliciting churches only, versus mm-hmm. maybe 10 months to get it all from individuals. Well, mm. two years, 10 months, boy, I know which I would prefer to do. <laughs> so, of course, there, there's that. Why don't you share mm. some of the other ones? Uh, the other thing we, we really worked hard at finding or trying to find was not just the pragmatic approach to this, and, and, and I think that's a word we used often in prep was that this is very pragmatic. It does seem to work on paper, which in my mind automatically negates the faith part of things because faith almost never works on paper. The other thing we wanted to know and were concerned about was where do they find the biblical justification for doing this? And maybe justification isn't the right word, but where do they find in the Bible the precedent or the principle that is set forth uh, for those who are going to be involved in the Lord's work? And we're going to focus specifically on missions here. I know that a lot of groups do different things and maybe call themselves parachurch organizations rather than foreign mission work like we're kind of mainly concerned with in this podcast. Where do they find that? 
And we found consistently that they they pointed to probably three main passages over and over and over again. There were some things that we, we read along the way. Almost everybody, and even um, even in our own minds, I think you and I both came to one passage in particular and said, well, maybe they would use Nehemiah. When Nehemiah goes before the king and the king ends up giving him a letter that says, hey, you can get certain supplies and stuff to help rebuild Jerusalem. So that was one of the passages. I think we need to come back and revisit and talk a little bit. Does that fit? Yep. And why or why not? Another passage that we saw very regularly was that Jesus received support and help in his ministry and time here on earth from what seems to be mostly wealthy women. Uh, and so, again, well, let's revisit that in a few minutes. And then the third passage that is consistently pointed to by those who would promote soliciting funds from individuals, not necessarily, and, and not everybody who promotes soliciting funds from individuals says, let's neglect the local church. A lot of them say, let's do it side by side. Mm-hmm. Some say, let's just do it with individuals. It, it's all over the it's all, all over the place there. Uh, but the other passage that we see consistently used or reference is the sending of the 70 disciples and Jesus saying, you know, you, you don't need to bring your, your own coat and script and that kind of stuff and, and just trust that as you go to these places, people are going to take care of you. And again, it, it's worth our time and effort to revisit those places and say, are those really passages that support this idea of soliciting funds from individuals apart from or outside of the local church. And I want us to be really, really clear that that's what we're talking about because somebody may get the idea that we're saying, well, when you stand before a local church in the pulpit, maybe you really are soliciting individuals. That's not what we're talking right. about. Uh, when, when a missionary stands in a pulpit in a local church, yes, he's speaking to individuals, but that church makes a, a decision as a congregation, as a local body. And we're talking about meeting with people outside of the local church, soliciting funds from a group of people, maybe 10, and they all get an individual say and response. They're not responding as a congregation or a body. Well, and we'll definitely, I, in just a moment, I want to share just one story before we dive into those those looks into those passages, because you're right, those are sort of the proof texts that people would say, this is the biblical rationale and authority on which to stand so that you can raise money from uh, individuals in that sense. Now, myself as a supported missionary, I have individuals who support me monthly, and they've done so for years and years. Mm. But I can say I've never personally solicited them to say, hey, will you support me, please? Mm-hmm. I, I'm coming to you and ask you to partner with me in my yeah. ministry and so on mm-hmm. and so forth. These are folks that were new of our ministry, both in Australia and now here even as the field director for BIMI. And they just wanted to get behind and show their care and love and support. So, again, I think it, the clarity has to be made that we're not against people giving. In fact, we want people to give. Man, be generous. Be gen- right. I'd much rather people give for the cause of Christ than mm-hmm. give you know, for their own selfishness sure. and things. But the idea is, who are we targeting? Who are mm-hmm. we targeting as we yeah. try to raise partners as we do our mission work yeah. or whatever God has laid yeah. on our heart? And uh, I've seen this in action because when when I was out in Australia, we I'd seen where someone, a missionary came in from Africa, 
and he came to our mm-hmm. town, and we were an outback town, rural town, so it, everyone knew everyone kind mm-hmm. of thing. And so this missionary from Africa came back, and on a Monday night, he met with a bunch of people at a home and shared his ministry, gave an update, and that mm-hmm. was kind of what it was billed. Hey, come listen to the missionary, give an update of what's going on. But of course, then there was kind of the appeal, I guess you can say, of, hey, we need some more support. And so the only people in that room were kind of maybe seven or eight families, I think it were, uh, and he's appealing to those seven or eight families. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've seen it in action because that happened there. There was a, it was a dear friends of mine who he was connected to them and things of that nature. So, well, let's go back through those verses and, and talk about one you mentioned was Nehemiah, and agreed mm-hmm. that was a common one that we saw in a lot of the articles and a lot of the things, literature mm-hmm. written about this, for those pro-raising support of mm-hmm. individuals. But my issue with that is that Nehemiah didn't go into the king's chambers that day mm-hmm. with the mindset of, I'm going to hit this guy up for some money. <laughs> I mean, right. Right. You, we we all know the story there in Nehemiah too. He goes he goes into work and he's burdened. He's burdened mm-hmm. about his about his home country of uh, in Jerusalem and the temple and all these mm-hmm. things and and the city without the walls and all this. So he's burdened for all these things. And the king is the one who says, "Hey, tell me what's going on. Why are you so? Why even a bad day? Why do you look so downcast?" Mm-hmm. And that then just opens up. And we know Nehemiah even prays to the Lord and and then shares kind of right. what's going on in his heart. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I would think it's a stretch to say that Nehemiah was soliciting from the king right. resources. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was, what's your burden? Mm-hmm. And let me share my, you know, and this is, okay, let me answer the yeah. question, and that's Absolutely. it. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Um, and, it's, and it is important that we make that, that distinction that you just did, that we are talking about actively soliciting funds as opposed to those people who receive funds unsolicited. And so I think that's that's an important point to make. And I would say that really Nehemiah is an example of receiving funds really unsolicited because the king uh, asks Nehemiah very specifically in Nehemiah 2 and verse 4, the Bible says, Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? At that point, I think that that Nehemiah does have an open door from the Lord, and Nehemiah is right there. He's praying, and God, give me wisdom. Uh, What should I do? How do I respond? Uh, This is a stressful situation for Nehemiah, by the way. He's the (laughs) cupbearer. To be sad in the presence of the king uh, leads the king to believe, maybe you don't want to be my cupbearer because you don't want to eat or drink what I've got to eat or drink today. And so it's a stressful situation for Nehemiah. No doubt uh, we know, in fact, that he's prayed in, in how to respond to the king in this matter. And the king opens the door and says, how do I help? you, Nehemiah. And at that point, I believe Nehemiah does have that that liberty to say, hey, these are some things that I could use to to help me uh, along the way. Uh, But Again, I think you, you, you're, the phrase you used, it's a stretch. I think it would be a stretch to say that Nehemiah said, hey, I'm waking up today, I'm going to go see the king, and I'm going to solicit funds. I think the other point is simply this. We, we, I, I think it's perfectly fine to use principles from the Old Testament in this New Testament era. Uh, but to say Nehemiah is the guy we're going to go to all the time in the New Testament— 
when there was no local church involved, and we're, we're really not even talking about foreign missions in the book of Nehemiah at all. We're talking about Nehemiah going back to his homeland from a place of captivity uh, to rebuild his homeland. And so there are a lot of things there that, for me, don't make the connection to say, I would be comfortable using that as a passage to support soliciting funds from individuals uh, for missions work. The other passage, well, one of the other two passages you referenced, one is just, and this was a very common one as well, uh, was the 70 that went out mm-hmm. during, during that evangelistic campaign where they were told very explicitly, don't, don't take supplies for yourself, but as you go house to house, they'll be provided for you. And so, of course, you have these individuals, these these teams, I guess you can say, as they were going house to house. Well, obviously, someone was providing for them. Individual sure. families, mm-hmm. homes were providing. So they would say, see, here's a proof text that says it's totally okay to do the work of evangelism and missions even, mm-hmm. uh, reliant upon you know help from individual families. My my take on that though would be this: I, I understand exactly what was going on in that in that evangelistic campaign. There's no doubt. But can I say very simply, the church wasn't in existence yet. <laughs> there was no church. Who they couldn't hit up the Church of Jerusalem to go, hey, mm-hmm. we we could use some funds. We're going to go mm-hmm. travel over to Antioch. Or, oh, I mean, we know Paul talks hits up churches, mm-hmm. um, and and thanks them. Churches gave right. to Paul. Right. Paul thanked the Church of Philippi. And and such like that. We see those things, sure. but to say that what happened with those disciples in mm-hmm. in the gospels mm-hmm. is the model, well I would I would just come back with say, why well, in the church age that we're in, I think that's the better place to look for our examples and illustrations and Paul connected with the churches. Mm-hmm. There was no church. Sure. Before the cross and such, so how do you okay. how do you hit that up? Well, I think you opened up Pandora's box <laughs> because I think you just uh, maybe <laughs> laid the groundwork for another podcast <laughs> on when and where did the church start. I'm I'm gonna just be silent right now, except for to say that there would be people who would say no, the church did exist because you and I both know that there are people who think that that. The church really started with Jesus and the disciples, and they would say, well, that there was a church. And so let's just be fair and say maybe somebody says there's a church. So that, then, it does, then it does apply. Um, I would say, and my response would be, first of all, I think you make a good point. There wasn't an organized church like at Jerusalem, for sure. We know Mm -hmm. that. Uh, The church of Philippi, the church of the Romans, the Corinthians, these churches weren't there. The the 70 couldn't go and, uh, and, and seek funds from them. But I would also say this, number one, there's no indication in the text that Jesus told those 70 to solicit funds. I think it is more natural to look at that text and say Jesus was teaching them to trust God for their supply and that God would do that through yes individuals it does seem but there's 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 nothing in the text that says okay this is the example for soliciting funds or goods to carry out our work from individuals 
because there's nothing in the text that says Jesus said, go out and, and, and look to these people and ask them. He was saying, depend upon people to do that in their kindness and to respond in a way that will help you. And I really believe that that was more an exercise in, in faith on their part and saying, hey, we can trust that God will put people in our path that will help us along the way. Mm-hmm. So whether you want to say the church started or where, when the church started, um, I still think that it's probably not the best uh, example to use to say we have biblical authority to 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 circumvent the church again and solicit funds from individuals. The other example that we read consistently was, well, Jesus was supplied for by individuals along the way. Uh, Nobody can argue against that because Mm -hmm. clearly he was. But we're going to come back to that very same thing. There's no indication anywhere that Jesus ever solicited those funds or that help from those individuals. You said I gave the Christmas gift in advance. <laughs> this really does boil down to a number of things. One, your your biblical understanding of the importance and the centrality of the local church as God designed it to be at the forefront in getting the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. And I do think it comes down to another thing as well that we've spoken about often on this podcast, and, and that is just your whole view of deputation and getting to the field. And maybe yep. we only have a couple minutes left. This this went by a lot faster than maybe we thought it would. <laughs> it really did. <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, we have, we have said on a number of occasions that if on your deputation journey as a missionary, your main focus and goal is to go to a church, present your work, and get money, you're really missing the boat. Yep. You, you've exactly. missed the mark. And so I think that those who come at this with that pragmatic idea, I just got to raise this money and get to the field as quickly as I can, as opposed to having that opportunity that we've spoken about when you go to a church and and meet people for the first time. And how many of us as missionaries have gone in uh, to a missions conference and the pastor will point out as you're uh, maybe getting ready to go to the pulpit or you're, you're talking with them and say, hey, that's an individual that just got saved this week and they're going to hear about missions for the very first time. Well, that's not going to be a person that you would ever probably meet soliciting funds, um, you know, well, not in the same context anyway. And that's an opportunity to get that person excited about the Great Commission that doesn't exist for people who are circumventing the local church. We we talk about how missionaries coming in. I remember we did that podcast about what makes a great missions conference from Mm -hmm. both the pastor's perspective and the missionary's perspective. And one of the things was the missionary is there to make awareness of missions. And And so to challenge everybody, it is, as you said, it is not just fundraising. It mm-hmm. is not fundraising. It's ministry. Right. It's ministry, and it's just during that period of time, whether it take you one year, two years, three years, whatever it may be, you're still ministering. It may look different than what you ideally want to do, but that does not mean that it's a it's a second-tier aspect mm-hmm. of ministry. I am going and encouraging folks and making them aware and people that, yeah, I would may never invite in to a home to like, mm-hmm. hey, let me invite six or seven folks into my home. Well, what about all those other people at my church mm-hmm. that aren't going to be part of that? They're not going to hear mm-hmm. that mission missionary speak and share his burden. And so I think we're, we lose one of this, the great aspects of presenting missions to churches 
I think another thing, just very simply, is that when you look at it, probably statistics are in the favor of raising support from individuals as far as time and, and such. You get it done quicker. I don't deny that because it's so much easier for me to get into someone's kind of living room mm-hmm. versus to go through all the hoops that are required to get into a church. And and you and I know those hoops very well. Secretary, letters, get to the pastor, the missions Mm -hmm. committee, so on and so Mm -hmm. forth. Whereas I can make up a phone call and say, hey, can you gather some friends and I want to share my burden. Okay, people are willing to do that. So I don't even deny the time aspect. And I think Mm -hmm. also, just very quickly, there's more longevity in the support of a church than there would sometimes be in the the support of an individual. Sure, sure. I know churches that have been around for 100 years. I'm a part of a church that's been around for 150 plus years. There you go. Well, the likelihood of them stopping giving missions, you know, there's a lot that's going to have to happen. Mm -hmm. A lot that's going to have to happen Mm -hmm. for them to stop giving. Well, if an individual is giving, well, job, sickness, change of situation, any number of things can hinder that. So I may get it quicker, Mm -hmm. but I may also... potentially lose it faster on the mm-hmm. back end. Sure. So it's sort of like, am I gaining something in the beginning, but then hurting myself mm-hmm. in the long term? Mm-hmm. And I tend to think that that's what may happen. I mean, I just came back from visiting a church just yesterday where they've been supporting me 20 years. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, think about the economy that's happened in 20 years. Mm-hmm. Well, man, families have lost jobs. Families have moved. Mm-hmm. Man, I can't. Now, I know, again, it's all faith. But the church goes on. The church goes on. Mm-hmm. And so the church is committed to giving a mission so people can rally that support together yeah. through a church versus mm-hmm. an individual putting that pressure on them in that time. Yeah. So much more that we could say here. I, I do want to just, one of the very first things that we said was one of the things people point to and say, we can do this with individuals is I get more individuals involved. Um, I would even argue that point that that may not be exactly accurate to say because yes if you get a group of 10 people in a living room uh, maybe you're going to get a really high percentage the stuff we read was you're probably going to come close to 100 percent of the 10 getting involved but the truth of the matter is most churches who who are involved in missions giving have 85 percent as a really low percentage of their members involved to in giving as in as high as 100 percent giving to missions so if i go to a church of a hundred i can look at that two ways that's one church or that's a hundred individuals involved (laughs) and so you know there there's that way to look at it as well there's so much more that we could have talked about on this this could be a (laughs) multi-podcast series on uh, this one (laughs) I, i hope i i do hope that I mean, obviously, anybody listening to this has come to the conclusion by now, uh, you and I, uh, not just as representatives of BIMI, but I think individually have come to the conclusion that the biblical model is you go to the local church because God has designed and, and instituted the local church in the era in which we live, in the dispensation in which we live, to be the, the, the means by which the gospel goes forward. Um, that is certainly the position of BIMI. But I do hope that we have at least tried to be fair to those who do it a different way. Because this, the purpose of this is not to call into question, are they good or bad people? Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Right. The, the right. question is really for us, uh, what is the biblical model that we can see and support and, and really 
proclaim is this is this is why we do it uh, and we don't want to reduce ministry and missions to pragmatism i don't mean to be offensive to anybody who who is raising support from individuals when i say that but I have a hard time seeing any other reason why maybe that's being done. And, you know, that's just my personal view on it. And, uh, you know, that's why we put our, our emails in the comment section of the <laughs> of the podcast. I imagine we're going to get a few responses on this. Email Tony Balava, far north director at BIMI.org. <laughs> and if you want to talk about when the church started, you can email Stephen Madoff at uh, Southeast Asia Director at BIMI.org. That would be C Director at BIMI.org. Uh, in all sincerity, we do thank you for joining us this week in this podcast. It's been fun for us. We often talk about we wish we could record our prep time because uh, it can get kind of comical and um and we can get a little bit passionate even as we talk about these things. Ultimately, we just really hope that this has been a help to you who have listened. That's really the goal. We're not trying to drive an agenda here. And so hopefully this has been a help to you. And maybe it'll just cause you to do your own research and, and take a look at this uh, again from either side that you're on presently. We do welcome your your comments. We know that you have a choice to listen to a lot of podcasts out there, a lot of people doing a, a lot of good work, and we appreciate that. And so thank you for spending the time with us. Go ahead and check out the show notes for our contact information. Visit us on BIMI.org. Uh, check out the media page there, and, and you can find different links both to this podcast and to Moments for Missions. We, uh, again, just look forward to meeting with you next time on Conversations on the Commission. But until next time, have a great week in the Lord.